Last night we preached kind of uh, to the parents and the young people, and tonight I already announced that we're going to preach more of a uh, overall general family type of a message on finances. I think that's one of the great downfalls of many a family, many a marriage, is in the area of money. First Timothy chapter six and uh, verse six. First Timothy six verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I want to talk to you just for a little while tonight on this subject, fellowship or fury, finances in the home. Fellowship or fury, finances in the home. Let's pray. Father. I pray tonight that we would understand that there is probably nobody here that is immune to what we're about to talk about here tonight, even the temptation. We're all susceptible to it because we're all made out of flesh. So Lord, tonight I pray that uh, I might be a blessing, that I might be an encouragement to these dear people here this evening. Lord, if they're... Uh, perhaps is somebody here tonight and they're kind of struggling with finances or money. Uh, Lord, I pray that they really would be able to see that there can be light at the end of the tunnel. There really can, if they want to discipline themselves, be financial freedom. So Lord, tonight I pray that in their life, if that's the case, there would be an excitement tonight as we go through this, as we end, and determination that they're going to do something about that and that they would not serve years of their life in financial bondage or slavery. Lord, give us a good service tonight. I pray that we put aside maybe any excuses we might have, any pride that we might have, and that we really would tonight want the Holy Spirit of God to do a work in our heart. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, whenever I speak on finances, I always think of the little ditty that I heard years ago. I don't even remember where I heard it, but I remembered it. It went like this. Theirs was a perfect marriage, but for one feminine flaw. He was fast on the deposit, but she was quicker on the draw. Amen? (laughs) You know, I think if we're honest, if we're really honest, and if the truth be known, Most, if not every one of us sitting in here tonight, over the course of our life, we have had problems with money. Have we not? Most of us. Maybe some sitting here right now, you're saying, oh no, i got problems right now, and that might be the case. Uh, I said this, uh, I think, what, last night. It's the number one cause of divorce in America. Seventy percent. Is that a pretty high percentage, yes or no? It is. Think about that. 70% of all fights and arguments in a marriage are related to money or finances. 
Two out of five families in America tonight literally are on the brink of financial ruin. They're on what I call the revolving finance system. They use this card, and then they use that card. Sound familiar for somebody maybe you know? And then they use this card to pay off that card. And the sad thing about it is they get so deeply into debt, two things happen. Number one, they can't do what God wants them to do spiritually. And secondly, they really can't take care of their family in ways that they know they ought to. Now, the Bible says here in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, For the love of money is the root of what? All evil. Now, understand, I, listen, I'm sure you, you've heard this, but I'm just going to repeat it again. Uh, it's not money that's evil, but it, 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 it's the love of money. We need to understand something. Like money is neutral. It's neither good or bad. But it becomes good or bad by what we do with it or our attitude towards it. And uh, unfortunately, we are living in a day and age where from the time we get up to the time we go to bed, we are bombarded. Are we not? TV, billboards, newspapers, radio, mail. huh? We're bombarded. Man, you've got to get this. And you've got to get that. Hey, you want to be happy? You've got to have this. We've all seen that, haven't we? And unfortunately, to do all this stuff or to get all this stuff, you've got to have one little thing. What is that? Money. For a lot of us, it's money that we don't have. And so with that, we need to understand something, that the nature of our money problems, now, just think about this, the nature of our money problems, is internal and not external. You say, what do you mean? In other words, it's not what you earn that kills you. Am I not right? It's what you spend. <laughs> I uh, I run into people and they come up and go, oh, look at all my bills. And I say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Who made all those bills? Huh? Go back again, for the love of money is the root of all evil. You see, the financial problems a lot of people have are most of the time, 99% of the time, they're internal problems. We want things or we desire things that we really don't need or we really can't afford at the time. Today's philosophy... Anybody here that's an adult, we know this. Today's philosophy is what? Easy credit. Am I not right? Man, you know what? It's amazing. Even cats and dogs can get credit cards. Have you ever seen that? I mean, people, I mean, they put their cats, they, man, they send them back a, you know, man, my cat's got a $5,000 credit limit, huh? Have you ever seen these signs? Bad credit, no credit, we have credit, huh? Nobody is turned away, huh? Uh, hey, come and borrow $40,000. And if you borrow $40,000, you know what we're going to do for you? We're going to give you a brand new toaster. You laugh. But I have literally, I do a lot of these seminars. I have talked to more people than you would ever imagine. 
that got those thousands of dollars loans to get a what? A toaster. By the time they're done paying the interest, they could have had themselves a beautiful convection oven. <laughs> huh? Anybody here in the mail? Is anybody other than me in the mail ever get pre-approved loans? <laughs> Almost every week, don't we? Man, all you got to do is sign here. Man, you know what? The first time that I ever got one of those in the mail, I, I kind of thought I was important. Until finally somebody told me, hey, you know, millions of people get them. Then I didn't think I was really that important, you know. But all you got to call us or just sign here. Man, you can have $50,000 in just minutes. Now, you may say, well, Brother Barons, why do those companies spend so much money literally mailing hundreds of thousands of those letters out? Have you ever wondered that? Now, I'll tell you why. Because there's thousands of us that sign them. Oh, here's another one. Consolidate all your bills. Combine all your bills into one low, low, easy payment and free yourself up. A lot of people do that, don't they? And now what do they have? Only 943 low, low payments for 35 years. And here's the thing. Now think about I'm just I'm just trying to get us to think that, you know, sometimes... If we're, if we're struggling with finances, we know we ought to do something, but sometimes the needed kick that we have is just when we talk about it. You see these consolidation loans. What do they have after they talk about them? They have these people get up and they give testimonials. Do they not? Oh, I did this. And you know, it was the best thing that I... Oh, I just felt so free. And after I consolidated all my bills into this one low, low thing, you know what I was able to? I was able to go out and build myself an in-ground pool. I was able to take that vacation that I always wanted. Now, does that not sound pretty good? Come on. on the, it sounds pretty good. Oh, I was able to go out and buy all new furniture for my house. But wait a minute. Stop and think what they're saying. You know what they're saying? Here's what they're saying. That I was so stupid that I got so far into debt that I had to consolidate all my bills so I could go back into debt even more. Isn't that what they're saying? Come on. But we don't think that way. And you know the sad thing about it? There's a lot, I mean, there are thousands of people that have done this and if they get one payment behind, that's it. They lose that house. That's facts of life 101. Folks, we need to understand something. These people that we see that are trying to loan you money, they are not your friends. <laughs> Hello? They're not out to help you. They're out to get your money as much as they can for as long as they can. You see, we're living in a day and age, even Christians... We're living in a day and age where we want and we want and we want. And we don't care what the cost is. We just want the joy of having. Oh, buy this couch. No payments till 2010. And then after that, only 64 easy payments. 
And then when you start making the payments, listen, you know I'm right. When you start making the payments after four easy payments, the joy is over. After ten payments, the payments are no longer easy. And after 36 payments, the couch is old and it's worn and it's torn. And you still got 28 payments left. And if you think about it, if you took the interest that you paid on some of these items, you could have purchased an entire living room outfit and a dining room outfit fit to boot. Just off the interest. Now, what's ha- here's what's happening. We want to have everything that our parents worked for for 40 years and more, and we want it now. We get it. But here's the thing. We sacrifice our financial freedom and our happiness to get it. And all across America tonight, I'm not talking about people outside our churches. I'm talking about people inside our churches. All across America, I'm seeing more and more Christian couples that go into financial bondage just so they can have some things. Not long ago, I I did a financial thing. It was a different type of financial thing at a church, and I had a man come up to me and he says, can I, he says, he says, can I talk to you? I said, I see, I'd be glad. Preacher already told me I could do it. And so I said, sure, I'd be fine. He said, he said, could you come over to my house? I said, okay, I'll do that. And so I got directions. I went, he lived in a, he lived in a little house. I mean, the, the whole bottom floor wasn't much bigger than this platform. <coughs> just, just a time. And when I, when I went in there, I mean, it was just a, it was just a, I mean, it, it, it was just bad. It was just a bad house, and uh, I thought, you know, I don't even know why I, I'm coming over here. Apparently, this guy doesn't make much. He started talking about how much he was in debt, and then he gave me his W two. I saw it. He last uh, uh, two thousand. Let's see, two thousand six, uh, two thousand and five. In two thousand and five, he made a hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. And he's living in a shack. And he's ten feet over his head in debt. And I looked at him and I said, where's all your money go? And he looked at me and he goes, I don't know. <laughs> hmm? Last May I was driving down the road and I was listening to Sean Hannity. You all know who he is? Listen to Sean Hannity. And for some reason, that night, it was in May, that night, Sean Hannity had Clark Howard. Anybody know Clark Howard? He's one of these financial gurus. Tells people how to handle their money. And uh, he was talking about what I'm talking about tonight. And they had a, now get, they had a guy on the show that had a credit card debt of $135,000. Don't ask me how you do that, but let, let me listen, there's a lot of people, they may not be that much in debt, but they're in debt more than they can handle. It almost seems like our motto today is, till debt do us part. And then we wonder, why am I miserable? Why is there strain? Why are we having marital problems? Why can't we do for God what we really want to do? Folks, listen. Can I just say this? I believe this. Our finances 
are a very important part of our spiritual walk with God. Your finances, I'm going to make a statement here, and I believe this. Your finances are every bit as important as your prayer life. Your finances are every bit as important as your faithfulness. I believe the mark of a spiritual person is what they do with their money. I believe that. And so, what can we do about this? Maybe, you know, I don't know anybody's background here, but maybe you're sitting here tonight. And by the can I just say, we're going to talk about this a little bit. I believe if you're here and you're a dad or a mom, I believe you need to teach this to your kids. And so what can we do? Here's what I'm going to do real quickly. I want to give you very quickly ten principles for handling money. Ten principles. Okay? Now, right off the bat, that scared you. You say that's ten points for a preacher. Amen? You know, that's that's like three nights of sermons. Amen? Now, listen. <laughs> He's back here. He knows what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you the hook. You're going to have to hang the meat. Amen? I'm going to go through these things very quickly, but they are so important. Number one, number one, ten principles for handling your money. Number, anybody want to guess what number one is? Let's participation time. Come on, what? Anybody, come on. Now, if you don't, if you don't raise your hand or you don't guess, then we might be here for a three night series. Amen. Come on. Number one. Nope. You're having financial problems. You want to get out. Now we're going to talk about that. Don't get, don't think I'm unspiritual here, okay? But I'm talking, what is the first thing you got to do? It's not time. We're going to, don't get me, we're going to talk about that. Yes. Nope. Oh! I knew there was something I liked about you, preacher. Say it again real loud. You got to admit it. You see, listen, you're not going to tithe and you're not going to pray and you're not going to stop spending until you what? Until you admit you've got a financial... Am I not, come on now. What is that? Uh, AA? Is that what they call that thing? Alcoholics Anonymous? They do one thing right. But it's a spiritual principle. Before somebody can ever get over that, what's the first thing they gotta do? They gotta admit, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drunk. Because until they admit that weakness, they're never gonna deal with it. By the way, that principle was in the Bible long before AA. First John 1 9, God says, if you want your sins forgiven, what do you gotta do? You gotta admit you've got that sin. Amen? If you went over to, uh, uh, Psalm 51 and verse 3. What did David do? For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 12. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Folks, let me tell you something. There's a lot of areas in life we can wheel and deal with, but finances isn't one of them. If you don't see that problem coming afar off, it's going to run you over. One of these days, you're going to wake up and 
Mu. You know what? I, I talked to it's no fun. It's no fun avoiding the problem. It's no fun not answering the phone for fear of who's on the other end. It's no fun every day getting these reminders and these remind. It's not. It's no. It, listen, but hiding from it won't won't make it go away. It won't solve the problem. We're living in a day and age where people don't want to accept responsibility for their actions. And that has permeated in the churches. I mean, hey, why, why do people sue McDonald's for spilling hot coffee on their lap? I was always taught coffee is hot. If you spill it, it's going to burn you. But we've got these, whatever. <laughs> well, I guess my, oh, I'll tell you, you get around me and my, my wife just, oh, calm down, Bill. <laughs> but we've got these people that won't accept responsibility. You, hey, listen, you, every night, you turn on the TV, listen to the radio, look at the newspapers. You have these guys that'll kill people. You ever, you know what I mean, I mean, they can't, they come out of the house, they got an axe, blood all over them. And two hours later, the parent is in front of the cameras. And what's the parent saying? They didn't do it. They're being framed. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Listen, folks, you are never going to solve your financial problems and saying, hey, I got myself into this mess. Now I need to dig myself out of it. I have a problem in my life. Number one, admit. That's the first step. Admit. That you got a financial problem. Number two, we're going to get to the tithing. Amen. Don't just stay with me. <laughs> Number two, make up a budget. Amen. Make up a budget. You ever look at your bills and your expenses and your income and say, where in the world do I start? You have to start somewhere. You have to start sometime or you're going to be in financial servitude for the rest of your life. There's an old saying, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. And that's a lot of people's motto when it comes to finances. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. Folks, listen, you mark it down, you mark it down. If you don't have a budget, you will be a servant to the lender. I run into people all the time just trying to exist. Just trying to make it from payday to payday to, and that's no way to live. What's, what's that little train, that little, remember that little train when we were kids, you know, going up the hill? What was he, what would he used to say? I hope I can, I hope, or something like that. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Is that what he said? That's a lot of us. Am I not right? You know, get towards the end of, of January. Oh, I think I can, I think I can, I think, huh? And it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. People saying, I got my paycheck, but I don't know where it went. Hmm? I have a good friend. <laughs> I, he's, a, he's a real good friend. He's not a preacher, but he's a good friend. He works for the railroad. And while working for the railroad, he hurt his back. And he got a $100,000 settlement from the railroad. Six months after he got this settlement, 
He came and saw me. He says, Bill, can I see you about something? I said, sure. His first name was Jack. I said, sure. And uh, he started talking about his debt and his bills and stuff like that. And uh, I just looked at him and I said, Jack, I said, wasn't it about five, six months ago that you got that $100,000 settlement? He said, yeah. I said, well, why don't you pay your bills off with that? He said, I don't have it anymore. I said, where did it go? This is exactly what he said. He looked at me and goes, I don't know. A hundred thousand, and he has no idea where it went. Huh? Folks, listen. If you want to know where your money is going, you got to have a predetermined. Let me give you three suggestions. I'm not going to take, I'm just going to give them to you. Number one, now's your time. God comes first. Amen? God comes first. Tithe, offering, faith promise. If you don't start here, you mark it down. If you don't start here, everything else fails. Everything belongs to God. God is the one that gives you the ability to make that money. Proverbs chapter 10, 22. I'm not going to read the verses. You can, you can look them up later on. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. Number one, God comes first. Number two, you have to live within your true income. There's only, there is only one person in the world that is not required to live within their true income. Anybody want to guess who that person is? His name is called Uncle Sam. The only person is our U.S. government. Amen? If we spent like our U.S. government did, we'd be behind Mars. Hmm? And so, unfortunately, we've got to live within our true... What does that do? That identifies your spending boundaries. Anybody here a farmer? Nobody? Anybody here know a farmer? Why do farmers put fences up? Come on. Why do farmers put fences up? To keep their animals in. Amen? Now we, that makes sense to us, doesn't it? Now listen. Take a little lesson from a farmer. You know what we need to do? We need to build financial fences to avoid losses, to keep our money going and not know where it's going. Just lose it. Number one, God comes first. Number two, you've got to live within your true income. Number three, make a detailed list of expenses. Make a detailed list of expenses. I think this is where a lot of us go wrong. When we make up a list of expenses, we just include the big one. You know what I tell people? Keep a list of everything. Snacks, candy bars, McDonald's. You'd be shocked. Amen? Come on. You'd be shocked at what we spend on things that we don't even think about. Huh? You see, once you make up this budget, you know what you have coming in, you know exactly where everything, then what you can do is you can determine your spending priorities before you start spending. Remember what I said? Here's how you do it. Who comes first? God comes first. Then what do you do? Then you take the most important items. This is where your money goes. 
probably the mortgage, uh, uh, your car, whatever it might be, food, gas, electric, phone, whatever it might be, okay? It's, listen, it's hard at first to stick to a budget. It really, if you're not used to it, it's hard to stick. But you know what there is at the end? There's freedom in the end. A lot of people today not doing what they ought to do. Letters, phone calls, or credit is ruined. The home is tense. God's not blessing. Why is that? There's a lack of a financial plan in that, in that home. Number three, real quickly here. Number three, work as a team. Work as a team. You know why there's so many marital problems? One doesn't know what the other one is doing. When I do these things, sometimes we'll have the man make a decision. Man, I'm going to get ourselves out of debt. Now, when that man makes that decision, what's the first thing he ought to do after that? Talk to who? His wife. His wife. That's what I'm saying. Work as a team. Preacher, why is it? I'll tell you why. John sees the plan. Mary sees the debt. If you are one, there has to be a joint effort to get the victory. I'll go back to my, my verse last night, Amos 3.3. 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? If the wife is not aware of what the husband's doing, then they can't go down the same road. And by the way, you know what? A lot of times when both of them are aware of what's going on, they're both going down the same road. Instead of the wife nagging the husband, now the wife can encourage the husband in that area. Number four, number four. I hope you'll get this one. Who brought up the who brought up the uh, thing on prayer? Who brought that up? It's your turn now. Amen. <laughs> number four. Pray. Get this. Pray about financial decisions and spending. If you get anything tonight, get this. Pray about financial decisions and spending. You say, why, brother? You know what? It amazes me at how many people buy things. They go into debt. And they never pray about it. I, I could give you probably 30 or 40 verses. First John 5.14 And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Does not all through the Bible, especially in the New Testament, talk about God wanting to answer prayer? Huh? Do you know what instant credit does? Instant credit robs God of the opportunity to answer prayer. And what we have done today in America, in our churches, is we have turned to the God of the credit cards to answer our wants and our needs and our desires. Instead of turning to God and asking God to help us. And you know what happens? A lot of times we get ahead of God and we get into debt instead of waiting on God to supply our needs through prayers. I don't have the time. I, I literally, I could stand up here for hours and I could tell you of debts, of debts that my wife and I have avoided simply by praying and asking I've been, listen, I've been in evangelism now for, for several years. In that several years, I have yet, listen, I have yet, I think I'm on my fifth car. I rack up miles quick, amen? I'm on my fifth car. You know what? I have yet to buy a car. You preacher, what do you do? Rob or, you know? No, we pray them in. Every car we have ever, that has been given to us. We just pray them in. 
I can sit here, I can make you a list of things that we, we really needed. But before we even thought about buying, we sat down, we prayed about it. I often wonder the things, the debt we could avoid. We just simply got down and asked God to maybe take care of that need. Number five. Number five. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. Can you handle number five? You think you can handle number five? Huh? Here's the question you need to ask yourself. What can I cut back on? You say, why is that so? Well, you'll find out in a minute. What can I cut back on? I ask people, where do you shop? You know what they, oh, preacher, man, I shop at the supermarket where there's the rich sea, good sea, bright lights. Preacher, boy, I'll tell you what, I like going to that grocery store where they got all them indoor restaurants, amen? Boy, you walk in and they got the Chinese food and they got the rotisserie chicken and they got the fresh homemade donuts. Oh, preacher. <laughs> now, there's a moral to that. You don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry, amen? amen. Huh? But you know what? Listen, if you're struggling with finances, what should the bottom line be? Simply this. What's it cost? That's it. Where can I get this product for the cheapest? Huh? And if we're not careful, listen, we can spend a lot of money on an item simply because of its brand, finish the phrase, brand name, brand name. Can I let you know a little secret? A nasty little secret. A lot of people don't want to, a lot of the uh, food companies don't want you to know. I used to work, I'm sure you're familiar with it, I used to work for Musselman's Company years ago. How many have ever heard of Musselman's Company? I used to work for them. Musselman's is probably best known for their what? Their what? That, that just comes off your lips, does it not? The applesauce. Are you ready for something? Now, if you go and you buy a jar of Musselman's apples, I work for them. You're going to pay the price they set. Amen? But you know what they also do? They produce more apples than they can ever use. So what they do is those apples are used also to produce a number of generic brand labels. That cost a lot less. And by the way, most of the companies do this. So we go along the shelves. We see, oh, Musselman's. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's that other generic thing. Hmm. Must not be as well. The Musselman's is a dollar fifty more, but but you know what? It's the same thing. It's just packaged under a generic label. A lot of the companies do it. But we'll spend more for a brand name. We talk about Proverbs chapter 31 and the fact that I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Am I not right? Every Listen, every Christian woman in her heart of hearts says, you know what, I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Well, you read Proverbs 31 verse 16, ladies. She considereth a field and buyeth it. What's that talking about? It's talking about a Christian wife, a Christian woman that has some sharp business sense. Amen? She is very careful with her money or the money that her husband makes. She makes her money work for her. If if I, uh, uh, brother, brother uh, Pagano, if I took this $20 bill, okay, if I took this $20 bill 
And, and uh, I, I went down to one of them commodes, and I took this $20. I said, hey, Brother Bergano, watch this. And I threw it in and flushed it down the commode. What would you think of me? Nuts. Anybody else want to chime in? Come on. Stupid. Crazy. Huh? Come on, just let them flow. Huh? Some of you are thinking that anyway. Amen. You know? But you know what? That's what some of us do every month. Do we not? That's what a lot of people do. They take that money and they just flush it away because they really don't consider what they're going to buy. They don't consider what, what's the best buy. What can I cut back on? Stuff like that. If you're having, listen, this, this is a hard one here. This is a real hard one. If you're, if you're struggling financially, <laughs> do you really need the ice cream? <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. I knew it. <laughs> That's what I'd say too. Yeah, I need that Turkey Hill black raspberry ice cream. Oh, I need that, you know. <laughs> Anybody like me need that black raspberry? You like that black? Oh, man, I love that stuff. You know? But listen. Financial slavery or freedom, when it's most important, do you really need the ice cream, yes or no? You don't No, you don't. Come down there and just smack you, will you? Do you need the chips? No. Do you need the pop, soft drink, soda, whatever you call it? No, you don't. But we buy it. And you know what? That money, if you think about it, could be used to pay off. Not, listen, you don't have to forfeit it the rest of your life. But when you are struggling for financial freedom, that money could go to pay down credit card debt or bill debt. There's a lot of other things we could cut down on if we want to. Hey, I'll give you another sacred cow. If you're struggling to eat, if you're struggling to, to, uh, get out of debt, do you really need to eat out? No. Fast food restaurant. But preacher, I gotta. You add up sometimes what the typical family spends there in a month, it might shock you. And you could take that money and apply it to your debt. Understand, listen. I'm not saying you got to do that the rest of your life, but I'm saying if you're struggling and you want to get out of debt, you want that financial freedom, there are sacrifices that you've got to make. I am totally convinced that the average Christian family is totally unaware of the money that they waste. Number six. Number six, real quickly here. Don't borrow if at all possible. Don't borrow if at all possible. I am not a big advocate of borrowing. That doesn't mean, you know, I understand that, you know, sometimes we, if you're going to buy a house, there's very few people that can buy a house for cash. Amen? I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these crazy people. Don't, so don't, don't, all right, this nut, you got brought this nut, I, no, 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 no. I'm just saying this. That, that most, of the things that we buy, most, the vast majority of the things that we can buy, we can buy them with cash if we have a budget. Go back and read Proverbs 22.7 again. You see, if we're not careful, debt gets to be a habit. And if we don't have debt, we don't feel normal. Hmm? See, here's how our thinking is. Our car gets some miles on it. And uh, we have a problem with our car. 
And so we take it to the garage and the mechanic says, uh, I'll fix it. It'll cost $360 to get it fixed or whatever. $500. Well, it cost you 500 bucks to get it fixed. And so in our mind, we've been conditioned this way. We don't even, we, we think to ourselves, 500 bucks. Man, my car's getting old. And so I better go out and do what? Buy a new one, right? And so what do we do? We go out and we buy a new one. Now, We've got 72 payments for $500. What have we done? We fixed that car 72 times, huh? What should you do? I, listen, what should you do? If you're tight, listen, if you're tight, fix the car. And then start putting aside those payments. You know what it'll do? It'll save you thousands of dollars in interest. You know why we don't do that? Because it's hard. And it takes character and it takes discipline. Don't get me wrong, I understand there are some things, there are some times when you've got a boy. I understand that. The vast majority of times, if we don't, we don't, we really don't have to. The average Christian that I'm talking to these days, the average person that I, when I, when I do these financial seminars in churches, they, they, on average, they are about $9,000 in credit card debt. $9,000. Now, you take that $9,000 at 15% interest. And by the way, can I say this? That 15% interest, is that not a little bit low? Yeah. It is. I, I'm, but I'm being, I'm being nice because I'm a conservative. $9,000 at 15% interest. If the person paid the minimum on that $9,000 at 15% interest, think about it this way. It would take them 20, excuse me, it would take them 39 years to pay off that $9,000. And when they finally paid off that $9,000, it isn't $9,000 they paid in, it's $23,000. That's a lot of wasted money, amen? But that's stuff the credit card companies don't want you to know about. Number seven, real quickly here, number seven. Understand the difference between wants, desires, and needs. Wants, desires, and needs. You say, what are you talking about, brother? Most of the things that we get are wants and desires, are they not? The vast majority of things that we get are wants and desires. It's stuff like, oh, I'd like to get that. But you know what? If you wait three days, chances are you've forgotten about it. Am I not? Have you ever done that? I look, man, I, well, I'd like to have that, but three days later I've forgotten about it. Most of the buying that we do, and manufacturers know this, most of the buying that we do is what we call impulse buying. Instant gratification, just like a kid. If I, remember my little grandbaby Ashley, five years old, remember her, huh? If I went to little Ashley, and I said, Ashley, you can have this Hershey candy bar tonight. But Ashley, if you wait till the end of February, one month, Papa will buy you a whole case of Hershey's. Now, Ashley, what do you want? The Hershey candy bar tonight or the case of 400 a month from now? Ashley won't even think. Ashley will say what? Papa, give me the bar now. Huh? Now, we laugh, and we, uh, that's just our kid. Mm-hmm. 
That's some of us. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait. Cut back. Listen, cut back on your wants and your desires. Number eight, real quickly here. Number eight, three more. Ask yourself this question. How many are dads and mothers here? How many are dads and mothers here? Okay, you're a dad mother. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. What am I doing of money? This was one of our high priorities we were raising our kids. We made this a... Our kids, our kids had to tithe. Our kids, in their money, uh, they had to, they had to put money in savings. Uh, now they had, they had some money they had for, you know, fun things, but you know what? When other kids, when other kids were out spending all their money buying bikes and stuff like, they were, they were saving their money. And you know what? I look at my kids today. It's paid off in every one of their lives. Every one of them has learned to manage. I mean, probably better than I have. But they have learned well. Now, why is this so important? Because, folks, listen, we all know this. This is a family conference. Amen? We're responsible for our kids. And that includes the area of money. Your kids want you. Do you know what you're teaching your kids? You're teaching them good habits and bad habits. I see kids, and your your preacher he, he could probably he could probably give fresher stories than me. <laughs> but I see I see uh, college kids that owe money on their school bill. They they go out and they buy hamburgers. They go out and buy they don't think anything. I buy peaches and am I right? And I'm thinking that's money. You, you really don't need that food. They're not going to starve to death. Amen. They could have taken that money over a period of years. It would shock them how much they could pay down their school bill. If they simply would have learned to use their money wisely. Young couples today, now we just changed. Last year we just changed the bankruptcy laws. Made it a lot harder. But you know what? A lot of young couples today, they think absolutely nothing of bankruptcy. Young couples owning three, four, five, six credit cards. Why? Just like mom and dad. We're the example. We are doing our children a disservice and we're sinning against them if we don't teach them while they're in the home to understand money management, uh, uh, saving, and a work ethic. We need to teach them that. Number nine. Number nine. Two more. Coming down the home stretch. Start a savings program. Start a savings program. Even if it's only a dollar a day. Amen? I mean, learn, save some money, save something. Proverbs 21-20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. The three greatest dangers or enemies of savings are debt, procrastination, and flesh. Our wants and desires. Those are the three greatest enemies of savings. I'll say it again, even if it's only a dollar a day, start a savings program. And then number 10, number 10, be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. Two thoughts on this and we're done for tonight. Number one, don't envy what other people have. Amen? Come on now. Allow your value system to be shaped 
by the Bible and not your neighbors or your relatives or the TV or the world. You know what? These people that you look at and maybe you're a little bit jealous of, chances are they're in debt and more miserable than you. You know what I think? I, listen, I think it's time that we stop buying things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we don't like. Isn't that what we do though? That's what we do. Huh? Don't envy. <laughs> don't ask me to repeat that. <laughs> don't envy what other people have. And the second thing I want to remind you of is Satan. Folks, keep this in mind. Satan, he, he does it to me. Satan will always tempt you with this phrase, just one more thing. Huh? Just, just, just one more thing. And you know what? That one more thing can always be fulfilled by what we call charge accounts and credit cards. Can it not? You can always have that one more thing if you want it by putting it on your credit. I really believe. Listen, credit cards, I carry two of them. I have to. With me traveling and everything, but you know what? I don't carry a penny on them. You can use them against the credit card companies even. You know that? Pay them off every month and I get my air mileage off of them. Huh? They hate people like me. But I really believe in many ways uh, the, the credit card and stuff like it's a trap by Satan to rob a lot of Christians of the victorious Christian life. People get these credit cards and, and they, they forget that money they spend. It's not free. It's debt. That's what it is. And if you let that debt grow, listen, it's going to get you defeated. It's going to get you discouraged. It's bad for you. It's bad for your family. It's bad for your marriage. Be thankful for what you have. You ever stop and think the rest of the world has far, far less? The worst person in here, you live better than most of the rest of the world. 1 Timothy 6.8 And having food and raiment, let us be there with what? Content. How many have ever gone on a bike hike? Come on. In your life. How many have ever in your life gone on a bike hike? Huh? You remember when you're on a bike hike and you go down a hill? Isn't it fun? Huh? Man, is it fun. But then, listen, you go back the same way. Oh, oh, now, you know, we've got some people here that weren't telling the truth. You've been on that bike hike, haven't you? Then you come back home the same way, and now all of a sudden, what are you looking up at? That same hill. And that's not so fun, amen? You know what? That's a good picture of debt. The road to debt and easy living, man, is fast and is fun and it's easy while it lasts. But the journey back is long, it's uphill, it's tiring, it's expensive, and many a time it's heartbreaking. I'll remind you of two things, two little phrases, and we're done. You have all you need, but we don't need all we have. Amen? And remember, if you spend less than what you make, You'll always have something to spend. Amen? There's not a person in here. Listen, two things. There's not a person in here. I don't know anybody's background. But if you're struggling financially, there's not a person in here, if you want to, that can 
that can, that can have, uh, if you want to, you can have financial freedom. And number two, for those of us that are maybe sitting here and saying, you know what, I don't have those struggles. You know what, if you're like me, you always need to be looking over your shoulder. Because we're made of flesh. And one slip, you let your priorities get out of whack. And you'll be where a lot of other people are. We always need to be on guard in the day and age we're living in. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed.